I'm so excited to be here today. The word that God has laid on my heart, I do believe is timely. I believe it's timely for our church in the season that we're in and where we're going in the fall. We have a lot of things coming up in the fall that are so exciting that are going to happen here at Pathway and through Pathway. Unite is just one of those things. And we know we have our birthday weekend coming up and there's so much more coming up. But I shared in the first service as I was preparing this message, I had a vision of our church last week. And it was all of our church families, all of our church body. And we were on this grassy area. It almost looks like a football field. And everybody in our church was moving forward. They were taking next steps. They were moving forward. And they were moving forward to this large building. And I want to say it's not about just about the building, the physical building that we're, we're building in, in the middle of right now. What it's about is what's going to happen, what God is bringing us into, the next level that he is taking us to. And I saw our families moving towards breakthrough, moving towards their calling, moving towards their destiny. So today in this message, in this time that we have together, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to be open to what God has prepared for each one of you. Be open to what he wants to say. Be open to the light that he wants to shine, maybe on some places that in your heart where he wants to work, maybe some obstacles he wants to remove. Just kind of get rid of the distractions, clear your mind, and be open to what God wants to do in your life today. Because I believe that today is a day of change, a day of breakthrough, a turning point for so many of us that are here. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that you have gone and prepared a way that you knew every person that was going to come to Pathway today or watch online. So, Father, I pray that our hearts will be open to receive your word, to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have something to write on, or maybe you have your phone, or maybe you just want to make a mental note, I have a question to ask you. And I want you to ponder on this for just a moment. And I want to ask you this. What are things you would do if you were 20 times bolder or more courageous? What are things you would do? Or another way of wording it is, what would you do if fear was removed from your life? If fear was erased from your life? Think about that for a moment. And then I want to ask you, when you look at that list, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it worry? Is it what has happened to you in life? Situations? Is it what people have said to you or about you? Maybe they said you're not good enough. You can't do that. You're not equipped enough. 
And then I want to ask you this. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? What are you listening to? Are you allowing fear to tell you what to do? Are you allowing fear to have you question yourself, your abilities, or maybe fear is having you question God? Is fear limiting you? Is it reducing you? In my life, I have battled fear since I was little. And I know we all battle fear at some point in our life, but literally fear would cripple me. It would confine me. And I can remember being young and ultimately it would hurt me physically, um, like stomach aches and not being able to sleep and it would just grip me. You see, I had a fear of failure so I would work really hard at things. I would almost become like a perfectionist or workaholic. I, would, I can remember being a teenager and studying for things at all hours of the night, things that I already knew, but I was so afraid of failing or coming in second or coming in last or whatever it may be that I would literally wear myself out because I was so gripped with fear. Or, and I still, it's still a journey. <laughs> I have not, I'm so grateful for freedom. So grateful for freedom. But I would also do things like fill my plate too full because I had that fear of missing out or that fear of what others would think about me or even that fear of rejection. Fear would confine me. It would limit me. I would take the easy way out and maybe not do things because I was so afraid of the change or the next level or where we were going or maybe who was even going to be there that I would miss out on things and miss out on opportunities. And I would think if I gave into that fear, oh, this is the easy way out, but it wasn't. When we give into fear, it's imprisoning us. It's limiting us. It's reducing us. And we're believing the lies. You see, fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. Fear is the most basic instinct. Now, there are two different kinds of fear. There are the rational fears, and those are our God-given natural responses when our physical or psychological safety is threatened. For instance, if there is a Mack truck barreling down the road and you're about to cross it, you're going to jump back and you're not going to cross that road. That's that rational fear. Or for me, I am really afraid of snakes. I can't even stand to watch them on TV. I am so afraid of snakes. <laughs> And so if I see a snake, we live on a lot of land and we've actually had a lot of snakes this year. But if I see a snake, I can even be riding in a car and see a snake and freak out. But my natural instinct is to either run the other direction, jump up on top of something or scream for my husband to come take care of it. Okay, <laughs> that is my rational fear. I know that that thing could harm me. Okay, but then there are those irrational fears. And those are those fears 
without reason or understanding. And those irrational fears are the places where Satan seeks to establish the stronghold of fear. You see, fear enters through a stronghold. And a stronghold is an open door which Satan has the right to work through. Strongholds, they form these habitual patterns of thinking and how we react to things and how we live our lives. And those strongholds, those doors may have been opened by maybe generational things, trauma, things that people have said to us. Maybe it's shows we've watched, things we've listened to. There's been an open door for the enemy to work through. Fear can consume our mind. It can consume our mind and it can imprison us. And like I said, when we give in to fear, we think it's the easy way out, but it's not. What you fear the most is what you're going to be devoted to. But we were not designed to live a life of fear. We were not designed to live in fear. So I want to go back to that question. What's holding you back? Whose voice are you listening to? What are you listening to? And today, we're going to talk about a man in the Bible. And we're going to talk about the man Gideon. And so we're going to walk through Judges 6, 7, and 8. We don't have time today to read each chapter, but I'm going to summarize the story of Gideon to you. And I'm going to highlight some verses in the story. And the reason why I wanted to speak to you about Gideon is because Gideon was a man who doubted himself. He doubted what he could do or what he could offer. But through the story of Gideon, we see that if God has appointed you to do something, he is going to anoint you to do something. So if God is calling you to do something, if you are the person he has chosen to teach that class, to lead that Bible study, to go speak to that person at work and lead them to Christ, if he has chosen you to do that, then he's going to empower you and he's going to equip you to do that because he is with you. You see, the story of Gideon starts off with the Israelites, and the Israelites have been in complete disobedience, complete rebellion against the Lord, and the Lord has handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And the Israelites are oppressed. They are overwhelmed. The Midianites will come in and they destroy their crops, destroy their land, kill their livestock, and leaves the Israelites with nothing. And the Israelites are having to go to the mountains and find places to hide, to get away from the Midianites. They are oppressed. They are overwhelmed. It describes the Israelites coming in like a swarm of locusts over the Israelites. And they cry out to God. And God doesn't turn his back on him. What he says is, remember what I've done for you? Remember what I've done. Remember how I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery and I brought you in to the promised land. He says that to show his love for them. And then God has a plan. God always has a plan. 
and his plan involved a man named Gideon. So the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And where we find Gideon is he's actually threshing wheat in a wine press. So typically when you're threshing, you're going to do that in a large open space. But we know Gideon is hiding because he doesn't want the Midianites to come in and take his wheat. So he's hiding in a wine press where you usually crush grapes. And so here the angel of the Lord meets Gideon. And what we see is Gideon's hiding. He's hiding in fear from the Midianites. And he's threshing that wheat in the wine press. You see, when we're afraid, when we hide, we do things we usually don't do or we're not supposed to do. And for Gideon, fear had gripped him. Gideon was in hiding. He saw himself as weak. But in Judges 6, 11 and verse, uh, Judges 6, 11 and 12, it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Sorry, I practiced that one. Anyways, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And in some versions, it says mighty warrior. You see, that's the beauty of God. When we see ourselves as weak, when we doubt ourselves, he sees us as strong. He sees us as his chosen people, the people he chose for greatness. He looks past our mess. He looks past our fears, past our mistakes, past our failures. And he sees, hey, I've chosen you. I've chosen you for greatness and I have a divine destiny for you and we're going to do something great together. I've appointed you. I chose you. And then Gideon questions. He's like, why is this going on? Why is this happening? And in Judges 6, 14, it says to Gideon, the angel of the Lord says to him, Go in the strength you have. Rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I am sending you. And then he questions himself again. Why me? I'm the weakest. I'm the youngest. He responds with, why me? But God reminds him again. I am with you. All you need is me. You see, Gideon can't see past the doubt and the fear, but God sees something different. When we question ourselves, we're, feel, we're failing to see the nature of God. But when we grasp the nature of God and who he is, we become somebody totally different. We become free. And in Judges, in that same chapter, in verse 15, it says, But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. You will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God never designed us to live a life of fear. Fear is not from the Lord. 
Fear is one, what I said is one of the most basic instincts. And it's the first emotion that we come across in the Bible. Because in Genesis 3.10, it says, And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Fear is not from the Lord. God is a God of peace. He is a God of hope. And if he's gonna calling you, if he is calling you, if he has chosen you to do something, he's gonna equip you and qualify you to do so. And he's gonna take care of your enemies. He's gonna silence the accusers and he's gonna be with you as you move forward. If he has birthed a passion and a dream in you, he's gonna give you all you need to do that. He's gonna give you the tools and the strength to do so. But I wanna be clear to you today, fear is a thief, it is a liar. Fear tells you what you can't do, but God tells you what you can do. Fear steals your joy, it steals your peace, and it keeps you stuck in the same patterns and in the same cycle. But God is on your side and he will be with you. And if he has chosen you, he's gonna take care of the rest. He's gonna take care of the rest. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You see, fear I described to you is fear has crippled me several times in my life. And I'm so grateful for freedom. I'm so grateful for freedom ministry. I'm so grateful for Pathway connecting us to that and really um, wanting that to go on here. And so I'm still in a journey. I'm still battling fear. But man, I'm a lot better than what I used to be. <laughs> but um, about over a year ago, my son, I was beginning to see some behaviors and patterns in him. And what I was beginning to see was this nervousness coming up in him. And my son is only nine. And in his life, when he was first born, he was in the NICU. And then at the age of two, our home burned. And it actually started on his side of the house. And then when we got out of the house, he watched our home burn. At the age of four, he was in a head-on collision with my parents, which my mother died from injuries from that car wreck. And so he's gone through a lot of things in his little life that most kids haven't gone through. And he's had a lot of trauma that's happened in his life. And so when he was in second grade last year, I began to see these these behaviors, these things. And I began praying about, he was just nervous. It was just in the way he would interact and um, which usually was not like him. He's usually outgoing, running all over the place. But I just saw like, he's just gripped with fear. And it was really evident on the baseball field. We were in baseball, Wyatt's been in baseball since he was teeny tiny. And I'd never seen him like this. And I saw him, he would start like shaking his hands and kind of doing this snapping, nervous tick. And I thought, uh-uh, mm-mm, we're not doing this. Uh-uh, he's not, he's not gonna let fear control his life. And I began to repent for anything I had done to maybe project that fear on him. Maybe there were decisions I'd made or words that I had spoken that were fear-based and not God-based. And so I began to go to war for my son. 
and I wrote down scriptures on index cards and posted them in his room and explained to Wyatt, whenever you fear, you start speaking God's truth. And so we went through the end of the school year and baseball season, and I started praying to God, I need a breakthrough in this kid's life. He is just not the same. I need a breakthrough in his life. So at the end of baseball season, they offered Wyatt to be on All-Stars, but we turned it down because it had been kind of a rough past few months, and we thought, we're just going to give him a break. We're just going to give him a break. Well, a couple of weeks later, it's funny how God works, and it's funny what God will use for a breakthrough. But a couple of weeks later, they called us back again. The team had already been set. They had already been practicing, but they had a child that had to drop out. And so they called and said, please, will you let Wyatt play? So we let Wyatt play in the All-Stars for that summer. And so he played in the regional tournament. And I'll never forget, I even have a, a picture that every time I see this picture, I just think of God's goodness and the breakthrough that he did in this child's life. But I started seeing in practices Wyatt was changing. There was something different. He was bolder. He was happier. He was more at peace. He was enjoying himself. And I watched him come alive on the baseball field and become a totally different kid. And so then we won the regional tournament, which guaranteed us a spot in the state tournament, which also guaranteed us a spot in the World Series in North Carolina. So we had to start doing all this fundraising stuff. And so Wyatt had to go talk to people, talk to strangers he didn't know, go into businesses, things like that. And he did it with no problem. Just walk in there, no problem. Totally different child. And we get to the World Series, he's having a blast. They're playing against a team from Virginia and he's a totally different kid on the ball field. And he's out there diving after balls and in the mud and all these things. And a couple of people from Virginia were like, who is that kid? Came up and asked us if we were his parents and stuff like that. And I thought, you have no idea <laughs> what this child has gone through and what God has done in this child's life and how God took a thing like baseball, which we do love, but sometimes it just seems so small. But God took something like that and he had a breakthrough in my son's life. And I watched my son for the next year in third grade do things that I know a year ago or a few months ago, he would have never have done. Give presentations in front of people, talk to people, try new things. You see, God honors our prayers. And he's with us in the battle. And God is a God of restoration. And everything that trauma had stolen from my son, God was restoring in that breakthrough. God was restoring and is still restoring in my son's life. So I want to ask you again, what's holding you back? Is it fear? How did that fear get there? How did that fear enter? Was there an open door for the enemy to work through? Fear is not from God, and God will never use fear to influence you. Satan tries to use fear when you're weak to influence your thoughts because he knows who you are, and he knows what God has planned for you, and it freaks him out. It freaks him out. He uses fear to control you. But Jesus felt fear, but he overcame it. He did not 
come under it. He did not let it control his life. He overcame fear. So if Jesus overcame fear on the cross, then we are overcomers because of who is within us. And we can overcome that voice, that spirit of fear because of him and what he did for each one of us. So I want to ask you, what's keeping you stuck? What's keeping you stuck? What's keeping you stuck in the same patterns, in the same cycle, maybe with the same circle of friends that are bringing you down, that are dragging you down? What's keeping you stuck? Gideon doubted himself. He saw himself as weak and he doubted himself to do the job. But then Gideon moved forward because God's constantly reminding him, I chose you. I'm going to be with you. So Gideon, it says, moves forward in strength and confidence. And then the Spirit of the Lord takes control of Gideon. So now it's God and Gideon. And Gideon blows the horn and all these men rally behind him. But then Gideon's like, okay, God, I need one more sign. I need maybe a couple of more signs. So he says, I'm going to throw out this fleece. And when I wake up in the morning, if the fleece has the dew on it, but the ground is dry, then I know that what you said about Israel being delivered by my hand is the truth. So he wakes up the next morning, picks up the fleece. It's got water on it. The dew on it wrings it out. The ground is dry, but that fleece has the water on it. Then he's like, okay, God, don't be angry at me. I need just one more sign, one more sign. So this time I'm going to put the fleece out again. And if it remains dry and the ground is wet, (laughs) then I know what you said, that you're going to deliver Israel by my hand is you. And so guess what? That fleece was dry and the ground was wet the next morning. You see, when we stay stuck in fear, we're expecting the enemy to move. But when we move forward and we step out in courage and determination, we're believing that God's going to move, that God's going to deliver us. You can't stay here. You can't stay stuck in these same patterns. You can't stay here. You can't stay stuck in the same situation or with the same circle of friends. You can't stay here because fear is going to keep you from fully walking into your purpose and calling. Do you want a mediocre life or do you want an extravagant life? An extravagant life in the Lord. If you want that extravagant life, then God is asking you to come out from this place where you're stuck. Come out from those things and those people that are holding you down. You see, Gideon experienced God on a whole different level. A whole different level. He experienced a God that strengthened him. A God that called him. A God that covered him and said that he will be with him. A God that had a plan a God that was going to give him all the tools he needs. And he says, you're going to win this battle. Gideon was the one to do so. Are you the one? Are you the one that he's chosen? 
Are you willing to leave your past behind and move forward? There's more. God is calling you to go somewhere. He's calling you to move forward. And what he's calling you to do is good and it's right. You see, it's always all about God. In Judges 7, 2, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, then the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God was going to make sure that he would be glorified because it's all about him. Our lives are about him. Our story is about him and for him to be glorified. It was to reveal his love for us, his love for the Israelites. It, what, yes, maybe it would have been made possible by the hands of Gideon and all those thousands of Israelites, but God wanted to make it possible only by his strength. So he dwindled that army down, and it's an army of 300. But you know what? Gideon still trusted in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord and he went into battle. And we don't have to fear what God is going to do because he has a plan and he is with us. So what's holding you back? What's keeping you stuck? Maybe you're like me. I've had a lot of things happen in my life, especially in the past 10 years. And I feel sometimes like I'm constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so it's like, okay, God, okay, it's been going really well. Things have been really peaceful. I'm waiting for it. What's going to happen? That's not of God. Those negative thoughts, those what ifs, that's not God. You know what? There have been a lot of shoes that have dropped in our lives. A lot of shoes that have dropped in my life, and I'm still here. I am still here. And I believe that what God is telling us to do is to put on our shoes and move forward in your divine calling and your destiny from the Lord. You see, God is good. He is infinite, so he is infinitely good. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph, and we know Joseph went through a lot. He was abused by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. And there were several events that happened in his life after that. But Joseph sees the beauty of God. He sees the goodness of God and how he can take a bad situation and turn it into good. How he can take the ashes and make them beautiful. And so he says in Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. You brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. God is good. God can be trusted. God is infinite. He is infinitely good. I've gone through stuff in my life. I've experienced loss and grief, things I do not understand. But when I've come out on the other side, I can look back and I can see all the times that God was with me, all the times that he turned an impossible situation around and made it good. He is good. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, Such love has no fear, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves 
torment. But he who fears has not been made in perfect love. The antidote to love, the antidote to fear is love. The solution to fear is love. Fear steals your joy. Fear keeps you stuck. Fear keeps you from embracing your future. It keeps you from fully receiving the thoughts, the plans that God has for you. And it puts these patterns, these unhealthy patterns in place, and it keeps you from enjoying God's goodness. God wants you to have an extravagant life, not a mediocre life. So if God has birthed a promise in you, if he has birthed a dream in you, it is time to dig it up and bring it back to life because he is good and he is with you and he doesn't want you to stay here. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to break those patterns. He wants you to break those patterns so that cycle stops in your family. He is good. He is a good and loving father. Every decision you make out of fear, you will regret. It is time to move forward. There was a situation in, um, when I was over a department and I was leading this department and I was literally drowning. I was feeling drained. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what was going on. And it seemed like an impossible situation. I thought, we are never gonna get out of this stuck place. We are never gonna get out of this. And so I remember somebody came into um, our staff and they're kind of from the outside looking in and they started looking at this situation and they thought, okay, we gotta figure out what's going on here. She's getting burnt out, she's drowning, things seem kind of stuck not moving to the next level. And that's what I love about being in community and having those people that are with you and supporting you. A lot of times they can see things you can't see because you're in the storm, you're in the chaos. But on the outside, they can look in and say, okay, we need to take care of this. We need to help her with this. And so what it was is I was stuck because I was in fear to confront this situation, to confront this person. I was stuck because I thought, oh my gosh, if I confront them, then they're going to get mad at me and then they're going to leave and I really need them to do this. But I was drowning. I was doing it all. We weren't getting anywhere. Team was dwindling. And so God and really begin to highlight some things and some situations that were going on. And what I love about Pathway is that we, when it's time to confront a situation or a person, we do it in a healthy way. And we're willing to walk beside that person and help them in a process if they want to continue to walk out that process. And so... We had meetings. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. One of the most heartbreaking things as well. But what I learned about myself is that I was relying on other people and other things. And I was not relying on God. And it was affecting, it was spilling over. And so we, well, like I said, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But a few months later, after we worked through the process and we worked through some of these hard things, 
I began to see the goodness of God and he sent the people and he sent the resources and he sent the things. And God showed me, hey, you know what? If you rely on me, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to be with you. And he has proven that over and over again. Whenever there's been a tough situation or whenever we've had a conflict or things like that, God has proven over and over again, I'm going to be with you. We're going to get through this. We're going to come out good on the other side because I'm good. And so I want to ask you, maybe there's a situation right now going on maybe inside your workplace or maybe at school or whatever environment you may be going going into this next week. And I want to ask you, maybe the reason why you're stuck is because you're not having that conversation. Maybe you're not talking to your boss or talking to that friend or whoever it may be. Maybe you're not having that conversation. And maybe that's what's keeping you stuck. But a lot of times when we go and we have those conversations and we speak to that person, it's like that aha moment. And they realize, I didn't know you wanted to do this. I didn't realize you had that ability or you could do this thing. It's time to get out of that stuck place and move forward. If the next step is a conversation, if the next step is a meeting, if it's speaking to a group or researching something, whatever it may be, God is asking you to move forward. So I want to ask you today, are you ready to move forward and take the next step? Are you ready to get out of that stuck place, that place of fear, and overcome it and move forward and take the next step? You see, great people act above their fears. They don't just sit on the sidelines. They don't, but they, what they do is they move from the sidelines and they get in the game. They get in the battle. They get in the game. They move forward and they discover their God-given destiny. Gideon doubted himself. He was hiding in fear. But God reminded him over and over again, I am with you. And Gideon moved forward in strength and confidence. He knew that God was with him, with only 300 men up against thousands. A vast, they were vastly outnumbered by the Midianites. But they went in and they blew their horns and they broke their pitchers and the Midianites freaked out and fled They overcame the Midianites. They were set free. They defeated an army that was outnumbering them. And God longs to do that for you. He longs to go into the battle and fight the enemy, silence your accusers. He longs to do that for you because he loves you. And he wants to fill you and he wants to empower you. God is on your side. He's rooting you on. He's cheering you on. He is there with you. I love the nature of God because in Ephesians 1 verses 18 and 19, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called called. His 
holy people. We are his holy people who are rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power. God is good. And he doesn't want you to be stuck anymore. <coughs> you see, a lot of times we look at failures and we think those failures define us. But failures do not define us. Failures are events, but failures are not you. They are not you. And often those failures are what we learn from. And often those failures are sometimes the first steps that we can take to move forward to be successful. We learn from those things. The path to your greatest potential is often through your greatest fear. So if you fall, if you fail, if you make a mistake, it doesn't just stop there. That's not where your story stops. It's time to get up, dust off your shoes, and move forward. Move forward and take the next step because God isn't finished with you. And what's inside of you that you've buried, He wants to pull it out. That promise, that hope, that dream, that vision, He wants you to dig it up. And He wants it to come back to life. God honors our obedience. He honors our sacrifice. Don't let that dream, don't let that plan, don't let that vision die. Have courage and move forward and take that next step. God is good. He doesn't want you to be stuck. In Luke 22, it describes Jesus in agony as he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's crying out to the Lord. And you see, Jesus is fully human and fully God. He was fully human and fully God. But Jesus, in that moment, acted above his fear. And he did not let fear control him. He went to the cross. He said, God, not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. That fear didn't control him. That fear did not consume him. He defeated that fear. He took it to the cross. He acted above his fears. He overcame his fears. And he took them and he nailed them to the cross. And because of what he did, we are overcomers. And we can overcome that voice, that spirit of fear, that worry, that doubt, whatever it is holding you back, we can overcome. How do you see God? If you see God for who he truly is, you will run towards his will and his plan for, his life, for your life. You will run towards that. So today you might be asking, how do I battle this fear? How do I battle this fear? Well, the first thing is you have to expose that lie. You have to expose where it entered. You have to expose that lie you believed. And then you have to receive his truth and let his truth wash over you. Let his word wash over you. And then you praise him for all that he's done, for his goodness 
and you move forward in courage and determination and you seek his truth. In Isaiah 61, verses one through three, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me. This is his truth to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives that will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those that mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His glory. You are mighty warriors. You are His chosen people. You are heroes that are going to do something great for God. So it's time to expose the lie, to expose the fear, to get out of that stuck place and to move forward in what God is appointing you, what He is anointing you to do. Right now, I want you, just where we are, I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to think back on those things that came to your mind when I asked you, what would you do if you were 20 times more courageous, if fear was erased in your life? I want you to think of those things. And if it was fear holding you back, doubt, worry, in this moment right now, just between you and God, ask Him to reveal that fear. Ask Him to reveal that thing that is holding you back. him to show you that moment where that fear, doubt, worry entered. Was it through a situation, an event, words that were spoken? Ask him to reveal that to you. What lie did you believe in that moment? Renounce that lie. Ask God to forgive you for believing that lie. Renounce that lie and ask God What truth do you want to reveal to me today?
soak in his promises, soak in his truth right now. And now I want you to ask him, what's my next step? What are you calling me to do? What thing have I buried that I need to dig back up? And ask God to help you to move forward. show you that he's going to be with you every step of the way. If I could have everybody go ahead and stand right now.